0: Welcome to the GBC Sermon Podcast, a weekly podcast from Ghania Baptist Church in Sydney, Australia. I'm Mark Rader, Senior Pastor here at GBC, and I pray that you'll hear the invitation of God to join in His mission in this message. This week we continue our exploration of what it means to discern the invitation of God together by looking at one of the most significant turning points in the entire Bible, the conversion of the Gentiles. This momentous event was accompanied by a vision from heaven and the leading activity of the Holy Spirit, but still required discernment. In this message, Roxanne Lawler identifies three principles we can use to discern the invitation of God together. Our
1: Bible reading this morning is taken from the New International Version and chapter 11 of Acts, reading from verse 1. The heading is Jesus Explains His Actions. Sorry, Peter Explains His Actions. The apostles and believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticised him and said, You went into the house of an uncircumcised man and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa, praying, and in a trance, I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to where I was. I looked into it and I saw four footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not Lord, nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear to him in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is now called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit." So if God gave them the same gift he gave to us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections, and they praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life.
2: Thanks, Sue, for that um, fantastic Bible reading, um, wonderful. Well, hi everybody, it is great to see you in church. I'm Roxanne, nice to meet you. Come and talk to me a bit later or um, say hi in the chat if you're online. Um, as Mark mentioned before, we're currently working our way through a series called Discerning the Invitation of God Together. Um, what a, f- a fantastic series it is. And we've actually heard how uh, we've, the church and, and people in the scriptures have discerned the invitation of God together the first one, uh, they just kind of figured it out on their way, and you know, they just kind of had to figure out what's what should we do here, and they made some decisions. Uh, last week, and you can go and listen to the podcast if you've missed any of these. Last week, uh, there was a dangerous situation that was occurring, and they kind of had to figure out how to respond to that. But this week, as you've seen uh, from that reading that Sue did for us, this is the bolt from the blue. This is God's activity uh, come down to earth. This is the literal voice from heaven that we're looking at uh, today. And who doesn't want this? Like, I don't know about you, but when I'm faced with a decision or something in my life, I need to, you know, know who to marry. I've already got that one, don't stress. Um, But, like, uh, you know, where to send the kids to school or which house do I buy or what career. or, or, you know, you might have ageing parents, and what do you do about that? Like, what's today's wordle? Like, I don't know what it is that you want, but, like, wouldn't you love the voice from heaven? Like, wouldn't you just love God to just, you know, give you a vision, send an angel to stand in your lounge room, give you the the voice from heaven for it to happen three times? Uh, Wonderful. Would be great. However, as we're going to see from this story, even the voice from heaven requires discernment, right? Even that, Peter's still gotta try and figure out what is going on and what God is doing. Um, just with that discernment, I did look up discernment, and there's two aspects to it. There's the kind of perceiving it, uh, and then there's another aspect of it. And um, they, they talk about discernment being um, to see something. So an example is, um, I like watching the, the Sydney to Hobart come down the coast. Uh, you know, you get down to the beach, and you can watch the Sydney to Hobart fleet come down. And I have terrible eyesight. That's why I squint a lot when I'm preaching without my glasses. So trying to figure out, is that a shipping container, like, a ship, you know, or is it a just a seagull in the park, no, I see a few sails, I go, okay, there's the fleet. So I can discern that something is, is on the horizon. But there's another aspect of discernment that, that is a different kind of aspect to it, which is we, we would discern between right or wrong. Uh, you might go to a restaurant and say that somebody has a discerning palate. And there's an aspect of judgment or discrimination that is also there for discernment. And as we're gonna see in this story, uh, one doesn't automatically flow to the other straight away. So we can discern that something is God, but the, the discerning of what it is that God is, is doing, is, um, that's the tricky bit. So um, we've read from chapter 11, and I'm actually going to be looking at chapter 11, but also chapter 10, because when Luke, who writes the book of Acts, um, and Luke just FYI also wrote the gospel of Luke, so this is Uh, sort of the gospel of Luke part two, this time the world, Uh, he writes this. He actually uses a whole lot of biblical real estate to tell this story. So this story happens kind of in real time all the way through chapter 10. And then chapter 11, which was read for us, is actually a recount. It's a a retelling of the story because Paul's in big fat trouble when he goes to Jerusalem for his actions. So, So I think when Luke is is telling this story basically twice in the scripture, it's his way of highlighting it, right? It's his way of circling it, like he's got caps lock on, he's like, pay attention, this is a big deal. So pay attention to the story. Uh, It's a lot of scroll space. Um, So something big is happening in this story. So I'm going to be flipping between uh, 10 and 11. And it starts in chapter 10, the first time we hear this story, it starts in Caesarea with a man named Cornelius. Now, back in, in this time um, of Peter's time, there was basically two types of people in the world according to the average Jew like Peter. There was the Jews, us, God's chosen people in God's chosen land and we've got the law and the Torah and we've got a relationship with God. And there was everybody else. And everybody else were called Gentiles, like I'm a Gentile, I'm not uh, naturally Jewish, I have, have lineage, I'm not religiously Jewish, you might be too. Um, but this guy, Cornelius, was a Gentile, he didn't have the law and as far as we can tell he had no intention of becoming Jewish at all. And I think if you could look at his yearbook, Cornelius' yearbook photo, it would say under it, person least likely. To become Jewish, to follow Jesus, etc, cetera, etc, cetera. so Cornelius is this, um, this, this Gentile man, um, and not only is he a Gentile but he 's a roman right he 's part of the invading force that have taken over the Holy Land, and not only is he a Gentile. Uh, Roman, but he's a soldier, a man of violence, and not only is he a soldier, but he's a centurion who has built his way up through the ranks, and now he's in charge of 100 men, and not only is he a Gentile Roman soldier centurion, he's from something called the Italian Regiment, which is pretty high up, so he's like a Roman Roman soldier soldier, if you could uh, go there, so he is uh person least likely to follow Jesus, um, but... Scripture tells us that he is somebody who is God-fearing, devout, prays regularly, and gives. He gives money to the poor. So he's not hard-hearted. He's what we might call a person of peace in today's language. He's actually open to the things of God. He's recognized that there's something in this, Is God-caper, he's giving, his, his actions, his life lives out this this baby, tiny, fledgling realization that he has that that God is real. Um, So he is actually open to the things of God when he has the angel stand in his living room and uh, tell him to go and get Simon Peter. I would like to say that he has a posture of preparedness, a posture of openness to the things of God. And I think we see the same in Peter because the next day, um, Peter is actually on the roof in Joppa at Simon the Tanner's house, and he's gone up to the roof to pray. It's lunchtime, probably smell the food cooking. It's a tanner's house, and I don't think tanning was a a nice kind of thing. It was probably a bit smelly inside the house, maybe smelling the seed. But he goes up and he takes the opportunity to just draw aside, spend time with God, spend time in prayer. Um, And that's where he is when he gets this incredible vision of the sheep coming down. Now, I want to say that both of those men have arranged their life in such a way that they have a posture of preparedness for God. They have a posture of openness. I was going to say a posture of prayer because both of them pray, but I actually think it's a little bit more than that. They have a posture of preparedness. They have arranged their life in such a way that they are open to what God is doing. And for us, if we want to be people who are discerning the invitation of God together, we need to have that same posture. We need to be people that prioritise prayer, yes, and scripture, yes, but also a posture of preparedness and open to what God is doing. I find it really, really fascinating that before God tells Peter what's going on, Peter the Apostle, who'd been there since the beginning with Jesus, before he tells Peter, He actually talks to Cornelius. God is at work in the Gentile world, in the rest of the world, even before he has told his man on the ground. And I think when we have that relationship with God, that posture of openness, the the posture of preparedness, it puts us into a, a spiritual place where we recognize that God is God and that we are not. And that not everything depends on me and that God is at work in the world and I need to be looking out for it. I need to be observant. So a posture of openness, how do you do that in your life? How do you create this posture of preparedness in your life? I don't know about you, but um, I'm a visual thinker, so I use my hands and things a lot. But I I get the picture that, that God cannot give you something new if your fist is closed. That a posture of openness and preparedness for God is saying to God, God, I'm here. God, I'm available. The I surrender that we we sang about and received in communion and having our life posture as being open to God with an open hand. And God can't sail, uh, just like you can't sail a boat if it's all tied up to the dock, God can't take us where he wants us to go if we're so closely tied up. Part of having a posture of openness and a posture of preparedness is to allow our, um, the ties of our life to be available so that our life can go where God wants it to be gone. So first point, Cornelius has that posture, Peter has that posture, we need to have that posture to be available and open and ready to go where it is that God wants and we do that by communion, by reading the Bible, um, by being in his word even if it's just a little. We're gonna keep going. Um, Peter then is at the vision. Uh, is at, at the gets his vision, and he is on the roof at Simon the Tanner's house in Joppa. Now, I find this absolutely fascinating in this. Uh, he's, he's had this posture, he's ready, he's praying, he's like, I've got this little time to pray, I'm gonna pray, and God speaks to him. Um, and something weird happens. This this sheet comes down, it's actually the same word for a sail, that comes down, uh, and it's filled with... Uh, It says, four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And Luke actually uses this language of four-footed animals and reptiles and birds. And it actually harkens back to Genesis 1, when God creates the world in the first place. This this mix of animals, clean and unclean, that's in this sheet is actually kind of, um, it's a bit of a callback to Genesis. It sort of represents like every creature in the world. So what comes down is just this mess, uh, a menagerie almost of animals. And I find it really easy and interesting that this happens three times, right? So the sheep comes down, um, kill and eat, says the voice, and Peter's like, no, no way, nothing unclean has ever entered my mouth. Uh, The Ezekiel defense, because Ezekiel said the same thing to God once, and God went, okay, fine. Uh, But no, Peter um, gets it three times. No, here it is, kill and eat. Don't call anything unclean that I have made clean. Now this is Peter, right? Peter, who is a fisherman, he's a blue-collar worker, he's not a Pharisee, he's not a scribe, he's not particularly versed in the law, he's just an everyman. And I find it really interesting that God always does things in threes with Peter. And you might remember back when when Jesus was about to go to the cross, he says to Peter, before the uh, the cock crows, you're gonna deny me three times? And Peter's like, no, I never will. Sure enough, there he is by the fire when Jesus is arrested and denies Jesus three times. And then of course, there's the the restoration of Peter when Jesus comes back to life. Um, Jesus is built a fire, so same sort of smells there. Uh, Jesus is built a fire and asks Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you, yes, I love you. And it happens three times. So it takes a bit for Peter to know what's going on, is what I'm trying to say. And I find such confidence in that. Like, Peter, it takes three times. Fantastic. That gives me, uh, it's it's a relief to me, because sometimes it takes me a while, too. I don't know about you. but, But God has this patience with Peter and does this stuff. But there's another thing I think that's really fascinating about this particular vision and the way God speaks particularly to Peter. Because... As I mentioned, Luke has written this and Luke's put this in twice, so it's pretty significant that we pay attention. But Luke has also told us earlier in his first book about a time where God has spoken to Peter. And there's some really interesting similarities in this. Now, you might not see them and that's totally okay. This is my understanding of of what I see in this, but go with me and uh, give me some grace on this. So here we have um, this sheet, Simon Peter, there he is, rooftop, jopper, sheet comes down. But it's not the first time we've seen that because Luke, um, in Luke chapter 5, when Peter, Simon Peter is called into ministry, something similar occurs. There is Jesus teaching by the shore as he does and he uses Simon's boat, Simon Peter's boat and he preaches and teaches. And then when he's finished, Jesus the Lord turns to Simon and says, Simon, let's go and put your nets out and catch some fish. And Simon's like, Lord, we have been fishing all night and caught nothing, caught nothing. Um, But because you're telling me, okay, I'll go out and we'll let our nets down and some fish. Now there's a reason that you don't fish during the day. It's because fish go down deep, uh, you can't catch them, and also back in those times, Nets were made of linen. So this is linen nets, okay? Uh, probably the weight on one end and floats on the other and cast it out and bring it in. And fish can see that, right? Uh, so, you know, you can see a linen net. Um, but, of course, he, he obeys Jesus and goes out and the net goes out. And there is so many fish in this net that the net starts ripping. They have to call a whole other boat. They're just heaving it out and it's teeming. It's teeming with fish. And, and Peter, discernment moment, recognizes Jesus, and he goes, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He knows that there's something different about Jesus. And Jesus said, nah, you're going you're gonna to fish for men. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. You think this is all about fish? Uh-uh. He goes, you know, just like you've caught these fish, we're going to catch people, Peter. Now, I can't help thinking, because Luke has written both of these, that there's something awfully similar to that happening on that rooftop in Joppa by the sea. I can't help but seeing a similar picture, that that God brings this net down, and on it is this creation language of four different kinds of birds and reptiles and lizards and things, and, and get up and eat, Peter. No, don't call anything unclean which I've made clean. And I wonder, I wonder, if God is whispering to Peter at that moment, do you remember Peter? Do you remember? Do you remember the lesson? Do you remember what I said to you? You're gonna be a fisher of men, you're gonna catch people for the kingdom. Do you remember that little object lesson we did? It wasn't about the fish, it was about the future. It wasn't about the food, it was about the future. And I wonder if that, Sheet, which is the name for a sail, comes down and it's all the different types of animals and God's saying, remember, remember your mission, Peter. You're still gonna be the fisher of men, you're still gonna catch people, but look, it's different now. There's clean, there's unclean, there's lizards, there's birds, there's, there's animals representing all of the earth in here. Don't call anything unclean that I have made clean. I wonder if that's what God was whispering to Peter in that moment. So my second point is to pay attention to patterns. Pay attention to patterns in your life when God speaks to you. Now, most of us will probably not have an angel standing in their living room. Probably most of us will not have a vision of a sheet coming down and an audible voice from heaven. But we all have access to the scriptures. Thanks be to God for that, because there's people who don't. We all have access to, to a relationship with God, but pay attention to the way that God speaks to you? Is it, when you read the scripture, does a certain verse jump out at you? Is there a scripture that you ruminate on that God keeps bringing around in your head? Pay attention to that pattern of how God speaks to you. Another way that that God might speak, and and everything he speaks is in alignment with the word, but God might speak through a piece. You might be faced with a decision or trying to work something out. God will give us a supernatural peace sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes God will give us a peace, that peace that passes understanding. Pay attention. Sometimes it's the, the other side, isn't it? That unsettling feeling in our spirit where we can't put our finger on it, but we know it mm, might be a good thing. Not sure if it's a God thing. Pay attention. Pay attention to uh, the people that come into your mind at different times that you can't Get out of your head. Is God asking you to do something about that? But for a lot of us, we actually need to pay attention to God's activity in our past. Because for many of us, we probably won't get the audible voice from heaven, but we will be able to look back on our lives and see as we look back how God has been aligning circumstance and situations um, and creating a path for us to walk down. And that will give us confidence and to know where to go in the future. So bring that before the Lord. How does God speak? to you, and pay attention to the patterns. Third thing, this is the last one. Peter doesn't stay on the roof. So he gets this incredible vision from God. He's pondering it. He's trying to figure it out. And the next minute, ding dong, there's the doorbell. And there's three men from Caesarea who are here ready to say, come back to Caesarea with us. And Peter doesn't go, hang on a second, can't do that. I've got to stay here and ponder this really interesting thing that God's given me. No, he hears the invitation of the Holy Spirit, even though it's daunting, even though he knows it's sort of against the law, the uh, cultural law, uh, he steps out into that invitation and goes with these people. And I want to say that if we want to be discerning the invitation of God in our lives and collectively as a church, we need to partner with people. And Peter does this. He grabs six of the Christian brothers with him and they, they go along a little road trip. And when they get to the house, they find that, that Cornelius is also partnering with people Cornelius has called all his friends, all his family together. Uh, There's a large crowd in the house. He is ready for church. He is ready to worship, uh, even though he doesn't know who or how or what or why. Um, He's ready um, and he partners with people. Peter has this very small glimpse of what God is doing. He's wrestling with it. Uh, he steps into obedience. And it's only when he steps into Cornelius' house and they have a conversation that the penny drops. Peter. It's only when he shares the story and, and, and Cornelius is going, I don't know, an angel appeared. Um, and he's like, oh my gosh, I had this vision about, you know, the things that I can now eat that are clean and not clean. And, it, and they realize it together in that moment that God calls everybody, that the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus isn't just for Jews, It's for Gentiles, it's for the person least likely, it's for the Roman soldier centurion from the Italian regiment, it's for everybody. And it's only when the the story is shared that that realization really sinks in for Peter and then obviously for the church. Couple of things I wanna say on that, firstly, there is no one um, who is far enough away from God that God cannot call them into his kingdom. And if you are the person least likely, if that's you, if you're on the outer and you don't know God and you don't know how to follow God and you don't know um, the, the gospel story, Jesus is, is available and, and this is for you. This vision that, that Peter got with the, the four-footed animals and the lizards and the birds, it represents all people in the world all people in the world are invited to follow Jesus. And for us who who do follow Jesus, who wanna discern the invitation of God, who wanna see God's kingdom come, who wanna see lives changed by Jesus, we need to partner with people. If we've got a a vision or a thought or an idea or we're discerning something and we don't know where to go or what to do, uh, we need to bring alongside with us other believers who know and love Jesus to help us discern None of us can do it alone. Peter couldn't do it alone, and he was with Jesus from the beginning. I can't do it alone. I'm a pastor. It doesn't matter. We all need one another in our discernment process. And so how do we do that? Well, part of that is, is being in a community and being uh, with people that know you and love you and who journey with you, so a life group. Last year, we talked about um, discipleship and how that's rolled out and lived out in the different areas of our lives. And we talked about you and a few. Do you remember that language of you and a few? Like the the people who are intimately, closely connected with you. So if you're trying to discern something and you've got a, uh, a decision to make, or you're trying to discern something about what we should do as a church, bring together the few and trust in them and together share this experience of trying to understand and figure out what God is saying to us. So, firstly, that posture of preparedness. If we wanna discern the invitation of God, if we wanna know what God's will for our lives, we need to be ready. We need to draw aside and be ready and have an open posture. We need to pay attention to the way that God has spoken to us and lean into that and exercise our, our spiritual muscles, sort of enlarge our spiritual DNA and pay attention to the way that God does speak to us. And thirdly, we can't do it alone. None of us can. We need to partner with those around us as we journey together towards God, what God has for us. Amen? Amen. Church, I'm going to, um, I'm going to pray uh, for you, if, if that's okay, uh, as the, the guys come up and lead us in a last song of worship. Um, as I pray, I wonder if you would like to uh, do something, which is to have a posture of openness. Um, and... Um, So if you can open your hands, if you're comfortable doing this as as we pray, because sometimes our body can um, be a demonstration of what's going on in our heart. So if you're comfortable, if you're at home or whatever, you can just put them on your lap, it's completely up to you, it's not compulsory. But let's have a posture of openness as, as we pray together. Lord God, I just want to thank you so much for this incredible story. And thank you that you speak, Lord God. You speak through visions. You speak through words from above. You speak through scripture. uh, And that we can listen to your voice and obey it. And Lord, right now, we come before you with um, this posture of preparedness and openness. As our hands are open, our hearts, may they be open too. Lord God, will you inspire and encourage us and strengthen us for what it is you want us to do for what it is we need to discern, Lord God. Will you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Lord God, will you please give us this this idea of how it is you've spoken to us in the past so that we might trust you more in the future. Help us to pay attention to the patterns, to listen to that still small voice and to be able to put our trust and faith in you that it will grow and deepen and strengthen. And Lord, help us to know who it is that we need to partner with as we try and work out your will for our life and our church and our world. Help us to be people who speak into one another's lives just so gently and carefully and lovingly. And help us to be people who speak into others' lives with all the care and concern and love that you give us. So thank you, God, for this uh, this word, uh, for what you've done through Peter and for what you're doing through us and what you will do Through our church as we listen to your word and voice together. Amen.
0: Having a posture of preparedness to hear God's invitation, looking for patterns and partnering with others are all helpful principles for discerning the work of God. So what can you be doing to be prepared to hear from God? How has God spoken to you in the past? And who can you partner with to discern God's invitation? These are great questions to take with us into the week as we continue to follow Jesus. Don't forget that we produce discipleship menus for our sermons, a set of simple activities that help us keep these themes on our hearts and minds throughout the week. The menus are available on our website under the Next Steps tab. We also release The Big Three, a weekly podcast that engages with three questions raised by this sermon. It comes out on Wednesdays and is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for joining us again this week. You can join us for our services on site at 9.30 and 6 o'clock or online at www.gbconline.org.au at 9.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time. Until next time, God bless.